0: You're listening to Counterculture on RCR.
1: Reality Check Radio.
0: Welcome back. You are with Counterculture here on Reality Check Radio. I am Marie, and it's with great pleasure that I welcome back to Counterculture Kelly Valudos from ARC Education. How are you, Callie? Good morning.
1: Good morning, Marie. Thank you very much for having me back.
0: Delighted (laughs) to have you back. And part of the reason I wanted to get you back is I has you know have high schoolers but these strikes are really starting to impact
1: our kids what are you hearing and seeing um a lot of anxiety um which i believe is like the straw on the camel's back. Uh, The anxiety has been really high, not only through COVID. COVID definitely, definitely impacted um, the anxiety rates in New Zealand. But over the last five years, we've seen a doubling in depression rates, self-harming, all all sorts of mental health-related issues. And now with a lot of our high school students, they're really, really worried about um, their credits and about um, how they're going to actually graduate at the end of the year for, for many of them. These strikes, which, as you said, being a teacher myself, I completely understand why they're happening but they are definitely impacting on the mental health of our kids. Mm. Definitely, definitely. I've seen it. Um, I've had parents contacting me through the ARC Education NZ saying, you know, my my kid doesn't even want to go to school anymore. And they're not feeling safe. They're not feeling secure. What do I do? Which is a really big question. You know, what do mm. you do? I've just seen in my own
0: household with my kids, right? they the, the first couple of days, they thought was a bit of a wheeze. And in fact, the very first day, they actually got an exemption on the first day because of the first strike day being so close to the cyclone here. I really feel for the school. I've seen letters They, as a a school body, uh, are frustrated. They're they're applying for exemptions. They're trying to say, hey, look, we've got, particularly in the Bay where I am, we have other circumstances in play here. But the union is is hard and fast on this. I know that they obviously are trying to keep everyone cohesive so they can get an outcome. But surely this game of chicken has to end soon because this is affecting the kids.
1: The more I think about it, the more i feel that we're on uh hiding to nowhere at the moment with our education system it is in absolute disarray and i totally sympathize with with the teachers themselves in that when when you think about it if you if we, if they go over to australia right now they would be getting on average 20 grand plus more than what they're getting here. And the conditions are that much better. I'm not saying that Australia is is the be-all and end-all when it comes to education. It certainly isn't. But it it is um, a lot better than what we are.
0: But if you're a 30-year-old teacher, you've been teaching seven years, Mm-hmm. So you've seen enough. You've got enough experience under your belt to be mm-hmm. attractive. You're probably with a partner or in a relationship, or you've even a small family. You've got a, a massive mortgage. Gosh, that'd be looking jolly attractive, wouldn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. And they're leaving in droves. We're not being told about it either. Um, the the teacher shortage here in New Zealand is at absolute crisis levels, absolute crisis levels. It is actually very frightening. And that is across the board. That's primary and secondary. And with these strikes on top of it, you can imagine an extremely stressed teaching staff, how are your kids going to be relaxed? It's it's impossible. Mm. It's an absolute impossible situation at the moment.
0: So when the Um, government announces... Like they did a few months back with their education policy. That's okay. We're going to get more teachers in front of our kids and we're going to take the ratio, what was it, from one to twenty one one in twenty-eight to one in twenty-seven? What's the talk in the There staff was a room?
1: lot of there was a lot of laughing going on. Yeah. Like where they're going to get the teachers. Honestly, that they, they they brought in a whole lot of overseas teachers, mostly Filipino um. Indian, because quite frankly, why would any teacher worth their salt come to New Zealand and get paid $20,000 less than, <laughs> than, than where they're at? A lot of those teachers just didn't work out. I had three contact me through the ARC Education NZ because they had the wrong idea about what, what the ARC was about. Three of them came to me and said... We're struggling in school they're putting us on competency we don't know what we're going to do it looks like we're going to have to go home and i was just appalled at what has happened they've brought in these teachers they haven't given them any support in any way they're being treated like crap to say the least Many of them are either segueing into another job here in New Zealand or going home. It's a situation that is just indicative of the whole systemic collapse at the moment. And unfortunately, that is really impacting every part of society. It's a very sort of chicken and egg situation as well. We've got this problem on our hands, but then we've also got the whole anxiety, behavioral issues that happen in the classroom. When you've got the one, you've got the other. And when you've got the other, you've got the one, if that makes sense. Our kids' anxiety and pressure is definitely shown in their behavior. It comes out in their behavior. can't help but, it does for anybody, your mental issues, you know, your mental health issues come out in your behavior, how you behave. Um, So uh, the more stressed and anxious the student body is, the harder work it is for teachers, the less ability they have or capacity they have to handle that behavior. And, And so it just becomes a downward spiral. In the end, really, the the whole solution would be to go, Whoa! Well, let's stop this. Let's stop and rethink how education should look right from the grassroots because at the moment, the kaupapa or the, the backing of it is all about profit and productivity and getting ready for the workspace But are they really
0: getting our kids ready for the workspace, Kelly?
1: Not. They're absolutely not. Instead of focusing on humanity, on the humanity of education, we're talking about people here. We're not talking about sausages or products. We're not even talking about outcomes. People are people. You know, we need to. We need to be educating our kids on their innate strengths, the strengths that every single living human being has in them. It doesn't matter who they are or what their mental ability is or whatever it is. Everybody has innate strengths. And that's what we should be focusing on, because if we focus on those, all the rest falls into place. I know this viscerally. (laughs) I've taken on some really curly projects in my lifetime um, with kids that were basically left on the heap because they weren't performing academically, their behavior was terrible, they came from really low socioeconomic families by using my ko Papa which is you focus on the person you focus on developing that mana that self that self-respect that self-esteem that ability to connect with yourself first and then with others and then with the earth and by doing that you you were then connected to everything by focusing on that these kids that were previously unteachable and i do that in quotation marks became wonderful wonderful students curious compassionate and successful going from from the lowest 5% of the intake to some of them going into accelerate classes in high school. This was an intermediate school. So I know in my heart of hearts and in my gut, if we refocus on developing our students as people, all that academic stuff just falls into place. At the moment, it's upside down. It's completely different. We're focusing on credits and behaviour. It's all surface stuff and we can focus on that all we like and we can put sticky plasters over gaping wounds. It's just not going to work. It's Mm. just not going to work. The other trouble is, too, the government in its wisdom or the ministry in its wisdom keeps... Hanging on to these quick fixes, it becomes a burden on the teaching staff to implement these quick fixes that they think is going to be one size fits all and this is going to be it, you know, it's going to solve all our problems, whether it be play-based learning, <laughs> whether it be
0: so open learning environments to me looked like the great experimental disaster.
1: I, I had an open learning environment and it worked perfectly for me and for the kids that I to, taught with. But that's because we had breakout spaces and because how I ran the class was very different to what you would normally see in a classroom. Here's the thing. You can... Put all you like into the classroom and say to teachers, right, do it. But if you don't train them, Mm. if you don't actually have them on board as well, I I don't know how many teachers, when they go to a staff meeting, uh, sometimes I just wonder how their, their eyes don't fall out their heads because there's so much eye rolling going on because honestly and i don't blame them it's just another sticky plaster over this gaping wound again and it's just another thing they have to do it's it's insanity actually because if you keep doing what you've always done you're always going to get what you always got it just seems to be an insane situation it just is a completely insane situation at the moment i can fully understand why we have these students who are so stressed out and it's not only our high school students it's our primary school students too because it starts right down right down at the beginning of school i don't know how many stressed kids are are in the classroom that I'm in at the moment I'm only I'm teaching two days a week there's a lot of stress a lot of stress and trauma that is happening in the classroom and it is seven and eight year olds I've not seen it quite this bad in my 30 years of, of education
0: and how does it manifest with those kids I mean what are you seeing
1: behaviour basically behaviour Sometimes it can be physical, physical, physical towards other kids and the teacher. Sometimes, it's like being in a dysfunctional family, you know, where um, kids are always playing off each other. Um, there's not a lot of compassion or empathy happening. What looks like self entitlement happening all the time, you know. Um, absolutely no cooperation in some kids, or or even to the extent of some really b- bizarre behaviors like um sudden outbursts you know screaming like <laughs> or doing stupid things uh, or trying to get kids on <laughs> on the mat to have a conversation is nigh impossible sometimes because mm. you've always got four or five running around doing what they want
0: of that in a classroom environment, because being a parent with one of those children, that prim- I was that parent that honestly, uh, nine times out of 10, I had to collect my son from the principal's office. But see, I resonate with what you're saying, because it's a we commentary. concentrated right through until year nine, we concentrated on his EQ, not his IQ. IQ, exactly. And exactly. we got some criticisms, Flack, for that. Of course but I did. we... We felt with him that if he couldn't learn how to be a functioning member of society first, Mm -hmm. it didn't matter how brilliant he was at the other end, he was never going to succeed unless he was able to get on with his peers, get on with his teachers, get on with other people that he interacts with. So that's where we concentrated all that time. So to that end, he left primary school year six, still with only a level two reading level, which is um six-year-old skype people yeah yeah. um but we also knew he had dyslexia and that's where we were fortunate enough that we because he had asd that we did have government funding a small amount but every cent of that dollar we we went down the spelled pathway and spelled it saved his life he's still he hasn't had spelled now for 18 months he's year 12 now but what we were what she was able to achieve we had the same spell teacher was nothing short of had a good relationship yeah we had an outstanding relationship and there was a cost attendant to that i will not lie it was partially subsidized we used that benefit that he had to pay for that but it did not cover it all and that was a commitment that we felt that we needed to make because if we didn't, he was going to be a statistic at the other end of the sausage factory and we weren't prepared to.
1: You weren't prepared. But, you know, yours is not an uncommon story, Marie. This is the problem. But when you have got families who cannot afford spells or the davis dyslexia program or whatever it is that you that is going to suit your child you have to rely on the system you my have heart to rely breaks rely on the system and there is no system for these kids it ends up being coming down to the teacher that is with those kids in any given moment with covid and lots of of teacher absenteeism because I was just telling you that I've just recovered from COVID myself. Re-entering society (laughs) hasn't been the, the most easy path. But there's constant change happening in the classroom at the moment. And there's all these sticky plasters being applied to try and stem the absolute bleeding out from the gaping wound. So these kids are under a lot of stress. Because change is very, very difficult, especially for children who are on the spectrum or who are neurodiverse in any way. But when you're having a different teacher every week, just about, you, you can't expect anything more from these kids. No. That's why I'm not like appalled about their behavior. What I'm appalled about is what's happening in the classroom that's causing these behaviors and and it's not only the classroom you know because a lot of these kids parents are incredibly stressed because of financial problems or it could be socio you know social problems or problems, relationship problems and things like that, they, there's a huge amount, it, it's it's like all compounded. And when they come into the classroom, it's this little space where everything happens because all their, their whole life is put into this little space and they're made to comply. <laughs> well, some of them refuse to, which I, I don't blame them
0: is the classroom though for some of these kids the only time in their day where they're in an environment that actually
1: provides them with boundaries absolutely absolutely not all kids and it would be a gross generalization to say yeah all kids but yes definitely for a lot of kids. And certainly in the case of the, the kids that I taught when I was working in the space of learning support and doing that project that I talked about previously, I would say to the kids, you know, I know, I know what your your circumstances are. I don't know by experience, but I'm I know it's not safe at home for a lot of you. It's not a good place that you want to be. But if you bring that stuff into the classroom, you are creating an unsafe space for yourself here as well. And this might be your only safe space. Mm. And once they understood that, they would leave their crap at the door.
0: Mm.
1: It would normally take about six weeks. (laughs) The first six weeks were like, oh, my God, what am I doing? But after six weeks, there would be a complete and utter change in these kids. They would start trusting the staff in the classroom. They would start trusting each other. And most of all, they would start trusting themselves that they weren't useless, that they could actually do stuff, that they have value, that they have this ability to do stuff and to be, to be stuff. I also used to give them really strong coping mechanisms. We did a meditation program right from day one, and day one was usually chaos (laughs) when we tried to do meditation. By week six, if I'd forgotten after any break time to, if I'd like, oh, we have got to get on with this work. They'd be going, no, 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 no. We yeah. haven't done our meditation yet. <laughs> there was a more focus on their life skills, their ability to connect, to communicate, and to create. Those are my three C's connection, communication and creativity. Those are the human strengths and superpowers that we have and school all but ignores them for compliance and control. If we could only change that kaupapa, if we could only start seeing our kids as human beings, as infinite potential. And I know that sounds fairly pie in the sky and spiritual, and it is in many respects, but that is the reality, actually.
0: I'm talking with Kelly Valudos here from the ARC Education. I don't know whether I said this last time that we spoke, but when I was dealing with someone directly from the ministry with my son and he was asking lots of questions, like we were getting to a point where he could sit through a lesson without wanting to put a chair through a window, his inquisitiveness was starting to come out. Yes. So he was asking lots of questions, and I was told that I needed to counsel him to stop doing that. His questions were disrupting the class, and he wasn't there to ask questions, but there to do what he told. Uh, yeah. Yeah, to which was... Compliance
1: and control.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I've written down a lot of stuff here that I just want to dive into.
1: Sure. It's
0: taking kids from that cycle of victimhood to Mm. value, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: That victimhood doesn't need to be necessarily social or financial. It could be just in terms of attention. So Mm. I want to sort of look at parents now. So let's start with parents first. Parents are listening to this and they're thinking, yes, yes, yes. Uh, especially if they're a parent like I've been uh, been that child, you know, <laughs> yes. so you I, yeah. honestly, seriously, walking on the school grounds for me at the, at the beginning and the end of every day, I felt like I was going behind enemy lines. It was That's especially so at the, the height of it where you feel so... Embattled and entrenched. So then, as a parent, you. And isolated.
1: Yeah. That's the other thing, you're so isolated as well. Yeah. You? And
0: then, you know, you're getting the glares and the stares, and, the, and it's just not a pleasant thing. So if parents are listening to this and they're thinking, yes, that's us, to me, that's already the first step. The fact that you're there, you've identified it. What are some of the things that those parents can do that? The thing that's going to cost them is a little bit of their time and energy, but not necessarily put them under a fiscal strain.
1: Well, first of all, you need to advocate for your your child because, unfortunately, the system is so convoluted and accessible that even schools themselves, I know SENCOs work their absolute butts off to try and get support for kids quite often that support isn't even appropriate for that child because teacher aid time is all good and well but what is that teaching you know how how is that supporting your child in a a way that is going to teach your child strategies on how to cope it doesn't work but at least if you can advocate for your child and be the squeaky wheel Um, and be the pain in your Senko's neck, (laughs) at least then there is a little bit of push into the system to say this needs to change. I I recommend if you have a child who is either on the spectrum or dyslexic, um, there are books and things that you can read that will help you understand where your child is at that you can possibly get from the library. One of those books is called The Gift of Dyslexia by Ron Davis. He is the, the founder of the Davis Facilitating Program, the Davis Correction Program. And Davis himself is, he's hes in his 90s now, but he is autistic and dyslexic and was actually sent to a special school as a, as a no-hoper. And he taught himself to read and write. And once he did that, he, it turned out that he's genius. <laughs> he's an absolute genius. When I first read that book, it changed my life. Um, and that was in the 90s when he first brought it out. It was like reading an autobiography. I was like, oh. Because <laughs> one of the things that has always stuck with me is he says that dyslexia or or neurodiverse kids think in pictures. They don't think in words, they think in pictures. And I was like, what? People think don't think in pictures? I was absolutely astounded that people thought in any other way. So I highly recommend reading books like that. There's another book and I've forgotten unfortunately who wrote it but it's called A Child of Eternity and it is another book that is a little bit mind-blowing in in its details and its conception because it's basically the diary of a mother of a a non-verbal autistic child. It'll bring quite a lot of parity to parents, I think, if they read it. One of those books that you can't put down, you know, you just got to keep reading, keep reading. Um, Adriana Rocha. That's it. Right, I don't oh,
0: sure. so I'm just writing all of this down, guys, because what I will do is we, we're getting very organized here at RCR. I make sure I write all of these down for interviews because yes. I know what happens is our lovely team at the inbox at realitycheck.radio, they will hear these interviews and then they get these emails. <laughs> saying, Marie was talking about with, and so if they've got a list of these resources, they can either distribute those directly to you or we'll, yeah. we're actually looking at getting them up on blog posts so people can go, right, what was that book that they talked about? So That, that
1: sounds yeah. fantastic. I'm more than happy to... Um, do a, do a book list and send it through to you too, Marie. That would be fantastic, Kelly. Yeah, that would I'm, be amazing. I'm just
0: thinking of books. So in, in that t- and, I, and I'm glad you brought up that book list, right, and time and reading. So before I got the diagnoses with our son, so it was six when we got the ASD d- mm-hmm. dyslexia and and we'd already digest, a, yes.
1: the, Yeah. We'd already well, we're all neurodiverse, actually. We'd
0: already had our first diagnosis when he was three, which mm-hmm. was a sensory thing. The rest of the family was identified What by the time he was six. Yes. Now, up until that point, as you can imagine, the behaviors that we sort of went through were from a, just a straightforward parenting perspective mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. were massive you know, when you're a parent, and especially this was our oldest child.
1: I bet you feel like you're a
0: failure. Absolute, <laughs> abject failure. I, for yeah. me, found Nigel Latter. He was very uh, prominent in the media at that time. He was doing, um, he, had, he had a couple of TV shows. And it was right at the time when our son was, we were really struggling, yeah. both my yeah, husband yeah. and I. And we, by that stage, we had his little brother, so we had this newborn and... Mm. The amount I can of stress. Totally imagine. <laughs> and he for us was a voice of a. It was going to be okay. B. You will get through this. But here are some simple things that you can do. And you it was do. done in such a way that it didn't
1: make you feel like a failure.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: didn't. Exactly. I totally get what you're saying because we invest so much into our children, and we can tend to identify with their behavior if that makes sense cuz in your head you're thinking oh i know what everybody else is thinking that <laughs> you know i must be a useless parent cuz i can't control my kid but it's not about that at all at all and if you can get your head into the space of this outward stuff that's happening is not actually the issue It's the inward stuff that's happening that if we can connect to that, the outward stuff changes, but it's very difficult to not focus on the outward stuff. Hmm. You know, when you, when you're having to pick your kid up every day from the office or your child's only at school for two hours a day, I've got a parent who I'm actually going to be connecting with um, today. Who's in that situation as well. It's, are really difficult not to focus on that. But if you can find books, find videos, you have to take the time to do it. And I know how difficult that is, us being really busy parents. And by the way, I think that that is another factor in the whole stress thing, is that the whole rat race of the pace of, of life, even in the last 10 years, or 15 years has just absolutely escalated to the point of of not being sustainable. Our kids don't have the same time and connection that they used to have with family anymore. And that's not pointing fingers at anyone. It just is the way it is, possibly (laughs) at worst by design, at best by default. But if you can spend the time reading, finding out how your child or why your child is behaving the way they're behaving, then perhaps you can modify some of the things that you do and say and and the environment around them that will actually help them.
0: Yeah. uh, like I know, as you were saying, thinking in pictures, one of the things that we did with our son is that if he from a reactionary point of view he would do things. When you're dealing with the autistic brain people, it is very linear. It's very black and white, but it's it's linear and tangential all at the same time.
1: Absolutely. It's so, an oversensitivity. It's not a deficit. No, it's an no. And so at a primary
0: age child and, and not necessarily ASD either but they yeah. will um, for them it is all about This is I'm at point A, I want to be at point B, how do I get from point A to point B the easiest way possible and if you're putting barriers up between them I was that, going
1: to say it might be through someone <laughs> Exactly, there is not
0: a lot of going around there is not a lot of going around, it is all about the most expedient way to get from point A to point B yeah. which can yeah. make That's parenting perfect. quite challenging and so then uh things would ensue and i spent a lot once i realized about the visual you know when i Mm -hmm. i said that i was told and taught i had a wonderful actually uh early childhood coordinator from the ministry of education that i worked with for a couple of years and she was incredible and it was amazing the support for um early childhood was great the minute i got into the primary system it was bloody awful it's awful yeah yeah, yeah totally awful and she told me about the facial expressions how he was not able to read or understand those and this is before the <clears> autism diagnosis she'd already yeah. picked this up so I would then have to sit in front of him and all this chaos would be ensuing around him children would be crying adults would be angry and I would take him away and I would give like angry face sad face and I'd say what yeah. face is this and he'd look at me and I said, this is an angry face. So when someone is giving you this face, they're angry. When <laughs> someone is giving you this face, they're sad. And it's not that he was being dumb. He just couldn't, he couldn't read the emotion. And once he learned how to do that, because that was a learned skill, mm. not an innately learned skill, it was an actively learned skill, that made a massive. And then we would have moments where something would happen and someone would be crying and he'd say to me, did I cause that? Yeah, darling, I think you might have yeah oh do you i think should i say sorry what do you think
1: yeah yeah Yeah, okay you know yeah exactly um you, you know, and and one, what, what actually? Once you understand these things, and they and these a plethora of YouTube videos. I, I, you know, YouTube is a curse, but it's also an absolute. See, they we went around when answer. I was doing it, so exactly. I
0: was so I was doing lots of Nigel letter books, <laughs> letter books and things like <laughs> the that. The library, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. But um, YouTube today is an absolute treasure trove for little tips and tricks around uh, managing behaviour and, and and also understanding neurodiversity and in, in all its forms, I really recommend as a parent that you educate yourself. Once you yourself actually understand what's going on for your kid, then you can advocate for them as well. Also, please remember that the amount of, and, and I get it, I get it, the frustration in a parent when a teacher goes, I don't know what to do with this kid. Just remember that that teacher has is a human being, first of all, and probably has like nine other kids in the class <laughs> who are demanding their attention. If your child's behaviour has basically broken the camel's back, they're going to cop it unfortunately so be kind to your teachers because i find that if you um i i don't have that problem I'll, well sometimes you know you, i'd like to strangle <laughs> a couple <laughs> because that that is my niche i've learnt to communicate and connect with those kids so i i often don't have that problem that i'm you know that i i've got to get hold of a parent and say your your child um needs to go home or or whatever but remember that when you are dealing with a teacher who is seemingly frustrated with your child be kind to them because often your kindness will rub off onto them and that will rub off onto you know
0: for, yeah.
1: towards your child um, if you can support rather than defend you will find that your life will change at school
0: <laughs> uh, oh, that was very much the uh attitude i took i saw other parents that would get confrontational yes uh, with the teaching staff and particularly with the principal i took a different tack um not to say that him and i didn't get confrontational at the beginning, but uh, we we <laughs> ironed things out. As I said to him, I've got two sons and seven years be- with you and I, so you know either let, we, let 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 we get the yeah. ground work out now, or it's going to be a really long time. Yeah. Uh, and we did, and we actually formed a really tight working relationship. And we had to. Every year I, from, um, um, gosh, if anyone from the high school hears this, they're going to be really upset because I don't <laughs> do it for the high school. But I used every year at Christmas time, I would make, bake and cook and a massive big Christmas morning tea for all the staff oh, every year. Amazing. And I did it for primary school all the way through the internet school. Um, I stopped at the high school uh only because he he well he didn't want me to do Massive. it because he did not want to be singled out that i had to bribe the teachers to <laughs> um to, to be on side by that stage he'd, he'd gotten himself together but yeah, yeah. Uh, it is effort in effort out and i and it does take time parents and i know i can hear the hear you guys saying now but i'm this is so hard i'm working i'm there too i was working full time mm. look i can tell you from my experience Whatever time you invest now, particularly if your kids are in primary and intermediate school, Mm -hmm. whatever time you invest now will pay you back two to threefold when they get to high school. So whether that be if the EQ is actually good and they're they're confident, but you're worried about their numeracy and literacy, buy a times table book and do those funny old crazy rote times tables that they don't tend to teach much anymore. But if your child enjoys it, do that. Read. You know, get, read. Read, get exactly. them, reading, take, take them to the library every Saturday morning, whatever it is, that little bit of time, that little bit of effort in now will make a massive difference, difference at the other end.
1: It certainly will. And these, you know, these, these other little tips and tricks, I highly recommend um, doing a mindfulness or a, a meditation practice, even with the whole family, you know, and even if it's just 15 minutes a day, or three times a week, or whatever it is, that I've, I've found actually as being absolutely invaluable for a lot of these kids, because what it does is it, um, it calms down their whole system. And they're much more able to regulate and much more able to connect with other people if they're calm and cool and collected. So and 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 you are too, you know, yeah. you are too if you're a cool, calm and collected parent. And, Mozart, and today, Yeah, he was the the calm
0: down music for my son. And I didn't realise he was doing it actually. He'd have his little headphones on. I'm like, what are you listening to? And he'd found I downloaded Mozart's 50, literally Mozart's 50 Greatest Hits. (laughs) And he would sit there just in his room with Mozart on. And I said, why are you doing that, darling? He said, it makes
1: me feel calm. Calm, exactly. There's also, I'm just looking it up here, bilateral stimulation um, music, which is, that works like magic. So you put on earphones and um you can get it on there's are there's a whole lot of bilat- bilateral stimulation music on Spotify and YouTube and all sorts of places. Mm. Get them to wear that for so I've got kids in the classroom that are that come to me now and say can I listen to that music please mm. <laughs> because it just the, the, the whole vestibular system just seems to just relax and mm. calm down and they're able to focus so there's that as well yoga going out for a walk on the beach um or in nature is really really useful as well if you can get them out there cuz i know
0: that's <laughs> always a, a day lot day.
1: of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it pays to actually bribe or make them get in the car and go out and, and and connect with nature in some way. Um forest bathing, you know, go into the forest. And even if you don't go for a long walk, go and explore, look underneath rocks and and, and even for high school students, you know, this is actually really, really important because with technology we've just almost disconnected ourselves from you know, from life, From
0: nature. life. For real from life. life. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So let's just reiterate uh, again for people where they can find some of your resources with the ARC education. Sure.
1: The, the ARC education if you would like to get hold of me and it was lovely to speak to some some parents who got hold of me after the last interview just go to www.thearceducation.co.nz, and these are contact the other contact details are from there we're also on facebook NZ, instagram and linkedin so if you are on either any of those platforms, please feel free to connect. And Kelly and I, Kelly will, and I
0: will keep touching base, you know, as things with education. And I'd like to actually, once the education policies start rolling out ahead of the election, I think you and I yeah. need to have a little bit of a dig into that. Absolutely. So, yeah, so we would definitely do that. So this has been Kelly Valouros from ARC Education. Thank you so much for joining me again today, Kelly. And Thank you for having me. We're in battle, aren't we, as parents? And we sometimes are. we just need to
1: know that we're not alone. No. Certainly not, certainly not. And if we can connect with each other, then we've got strength and numbers as well. Or we can, we, we can create something that's going to support us. Fantastic. Yeah. Don't
0: disappear here on RCR. There is still more good, great music, word of the week, media matters. All that's still to come here on <laughs> Reality Check Radio. And you're with Counterculture. You're listening to Counterculture on RCR. <laughs> Yellow chick radio Yellity-chick
1: radio